Hey everybody, welcome to Therapy for Humans, the podcast where if you're not careful, you might just pick up some tips on how to survive as a more or less psychologically intact human in the modern world. My name is Rowan, and I'll be your host. Welcome back, episode six, Therapy for Humans. I hope everybody's dealing with the time change in a reasonable manner. It can really fuck you up, so try to have a little extra grace for yourself and those you care about because uh i don't know about you but around here shit's been getting weird everybody's really sleepy really early everybody's waking up really early it's craziness not to mention the dark anyway we'll jump in with an email this person says i'm in 22 and uh oh sorry they are 22 they are in college and my friends are all on meds are they being overprescribed? Should I be on them too? Okay, so um, I need to be a little bit careful here since I am a clinical social worker. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychiatric NP. It is outside my scope of practice to prescribe or guide clients too much on meds. Um, that having been said, I do sometimes uh, refer clients to other professionals who do prescribe um meds and it's not uncommon for those other professionals to consult with me around symptoms and concerns and thoughts on what types of medications might be helpful. Um, do I think antidepressants are overprescribed? Absolutely. Um, I actually pulled up some statistics from a CDC report uh, from 2011 through 2014, which is the most recent data available. Close to 13% of people 12 and older said they took an antidepressant in the last month. Uh, and that's up 11% from the 2005 through 2008 study that they did previously. Uh, the most recent numbers have increased by nearly 65% since 1999 through 2002, when only 7.7% of Americans reported taking antidepressants. So they've just exploded. Um, you know, I have a special place in my in the dark side of my heart that I keep specifically for general practitioners and specifically pediatricians who prescribe antidepressants for their clients who are not in therapy. I think it's irresponsible and I think it's unethical. Um, I worked up at the Fort Lewis College Counseling Center for four years and a shocking number of my clients were on meds. So yes, I hear you, uh, the emailer. And, um, and yes, I think it's too often used for a quick fix. There are a lot of studies out there that show that talk therapy and specifically therapies like um, cognitive behavioral therapy are as effective as meds for depression and anxiety, but they take longer. So a lot of this comes down to the severity of symptoms. Sometimes meds can help people stabilize enough to actually do effective talk therapy. If you're stressed or anxious to the point where you can't leave the house, then therapy is going to be really difficult for you to get to and follow through with. Um, but that's actually pretty uncommon. General anxiety and depression are not usually completely debilitating, although they can be. Um, but often they do impact someone's life in a large enough way that a change is needed. Meds can be absolutely life-changing for some people, and I don't want to give anybody the impression that I'm like absolutely anti-med. I just think that, you know, I don't know if it's cultural or what, but we're always kind of looking for that quick fix. And I think that they're too often the, the go-to. Uh, rather than to talk about things like diet and exercise and lifestyle um, and also just regularly like working through your shit and figuring out why 
you are unhappy and it may not always be a chemical depression issue. It may be that you, you know, have, you know, a past history or a current situation that is making you depressed. So, um, anyway, and I'm also specifically talking about antidepressants here, uh, for people who have other mental health issues, bipolar, schizophrenia, things like that. Meds are absolutely essential. So I want to make a clear distinction between antidepressants, and other types of psychiatric medications. Uh, you ask, should you be on them too? Uh, you don't mention anything in your email about being depressed or anxious or um, debilitated in any way. Um, if you're just wondering if you're missing out on something because all your friends are on meds, then the answer is no. If you're struggling with anxiety or depression and feel that it is affecting your daily functioning, then I would urge you to seek counseling and talk with your therapist about how you might be able to shift some of that. I guess the last thing I'll say about this is that I have seen absolutely miraculous shifts for people who are really depressed to the point where they aren't bathing, they're not getting out of bed, they're not able to go to work. Um, and in those cases, sometimes, you know, getting some antidepressants on board can give them a different, uh, just a shift in energy. I often um, talk about kind of that it raises your bar, you know, so if your baseline is that you're just almost non-functional, then it's going to raise that, you know, if you get a good fit and if the med works for you and all of that. So best case scenario, um, it can, it can raise your baseline to the point where you still go up and down. You still have good days and bad days, but your sort of average baseline isn't as dysfunctional as it has been. So again, I'm not, I'm not anti-med at all. I think they're amazing. Um, for some people, I just think they're tend to be way overprescribed. Okay, let's move on. We have another email. Uh, this person says, as the holiday season is ramping up, my girlfriend and I are talking about whose family to visit for which holidays. We've been together for six years and we both love and can get frustrated by each other's family as well as the way the other one acts when they are around their family. So how can we enjoy the holidays without the bullshit? This is a great email uh, and it's something I probably will be talking more about as we get into the thick of the season. Um, we're just kind of sniffing it out right now with kind of we're on that little gentle slope from Halloween and then all of a sudden it's just kind of like the roller coaster down into Thanksgiving and then whatever you do after that. Okay, so as much as we love the holidays and as much as we love our family, holy shit can we get triggered around this time of year. There's a bunch of moving parts around this, so I want to break it down a little bit. First, I love that in your email you call out that the frustration is on both sides. You're not saying, my girlfriend turns into such a bitch when she's around her mom and blah, blah, blah. You're recognizing that you both change behavior somewhat when you're around your family. So good for you. That's the first step to recognize that it's something that happens to you both. And let me tell you that it happens to all of us. When this comes up in session, I'll often say that your parents and siblings know how to push your buttons because they put them there. They installed those fucking buttons and you better believe they know how to operate them. So how do we keep from getting swept up in the family dynamic that many of us has, have worked really hard to move away from? And by the way, this doesn't mean that you hate your family or that you should never spend time with them. It means that once you left home, you were able to see some things from a fresh perspective that caused you to want to shift your behavior or some of the things about the way you live your life or interact with other people. That's a good thing. That's about maturity. It's about growth. It's about evolution the first step in navigating this holiday minefield is to really listen to your partner. When they talk to you about who you become when you're around your family, 
listen to them. Ask them to tell you about how you're different and what is it about that that's a challenge for them. Don't get defensive, and that's not easy, and you may need to take some breaks and come back to it. But this is really valuable stuff they're giving you, so pay attention. Once you have all of that, and you've both shared this information with each other, then make a game plan. Remember that you are the team here. You are the primary unit, and you should be supporting each other. If if the dynamic in the past has been that one of you gets thrown under the bus and the other one jumps on the family bandwagon around that, then here is your chance to shut that shit down. Come up with some hand signals or code words that you can use in a group when one of you is feeling uncomfortable so your partner can either rescue you or clue you in when you start acting like an asshole. The holidays are stressful. We're spending money we don't have on stuff that's stupid for people we might not even like that much. How much you buy into this, pun very much intended, is upon you. If your family places a high emotional value on gifting lots of expensive things and you just can't pull it off, tell them. Shift that dynamic. Don't perpetuate it. Yes, that might be uncomfortable in the moment, but you are a grown-ass adult and you get to decide how you want to celebrate shit. You get to decide what's important to you. Will there be compromises? Will you have to go places you don't want to go and see people you don't want to see? Probably. We all do. But you get to choose your tolerance for that. You get to say when enough is enough. So keep coming back to your partner. What do the two of you find important enough to fight for, and what can you just suck up and get through? And how can you support each other around the hard stuff and make sure you're celebrating the hell out of the parts that are meaningful to you? You get to have your experience with this. And finally, watch how hard you're hitting the booze. Nothing can derail your best laid plans faster than that third bourbon, and I'm speaking from experience here. It's tempting to get liquored up to get through a family gathering that might be challenging, and maybe a little lubrication can help, but there's a sweet spot there. And if you go over that line, you may find that things go worse this year instead of better. Okay, we have another email that came in. They say, Hi Rowan, I'm a 64-year-old divorced man, and my children are fond of telling me that my behavior is inappropriate because I like to smoke pot and date. How can I get them to back off? I want them in my life, but I've stopped telling them much about how I spend my time because I always feel judged by them. So you like to smoke weed. You're 64 years old and presumably living in Colorado. So guess what? You get to smoke weed. You also get to date whomever you would like, providing they are of legal consenting age. So unless you have some debilitating mental illness that has forced you to be placed under someone else's care... Uh, and I'm assuming that you would have mentioned that in your email, then you can tell your kids to kindly fuck off. No, don't do that. That's mean. But you can and you should tell them that you really do get to make these decisions for yourself. I would also share with them that you are holding back in terms of telling them about your life because of the judgment you feel. Don't say, you're always judging me. Say, I often feel judged. There's a big difference there, and as much as... The dreaded I statements have become the butt of a ton of therapy jokes. At the end of the day, how you say something really matters, especially when it's a touchy subject. So I could speculate forever on why they're judging you to begin with. Maybe you're dating women that are significantly younger than you or somehow different than what they would wish for you. Um, Maybe you had a lot of judgment around their behavior when they were younger, or maybe you still do. Um, 
it's probably in your best interest if you really want to shift this dynamic with them to try to see you the way they see you. What do you think you look like through their eyes? Are there things that you can validate for them? And remember that validation does not mean agreement. Validation is the act of recognizing that their opinions are valid. Validation is a magical thing. It's incredibly powerful for a person that you have a beef of some sort with to hear from you that you understand where they are coming from, that you get their position. Again, you don't need to agree with that position, but you should let them know that you understand it and maybe even how they came to that place and why. So then circle back to you withholding information from them that you would rather be sharing and be brave enough to be vulnerable. Tell them that it's disappointing and sad for you and you're excited about something and want to share it with them and then you get this feeling, this kind of gut check kind of thing that causes you to pull it back in. Keep it focused on your experience of this. Don't blame them for it. Just share where you're at and hopefully this will lead you to a deeper conversation and a little more grace all around. Okay, so our next emailer says, My wife gets mad at me for masturbating and sometimes even says I'm cheating on her. I love my wife and I feel like we have a decent sex life. I'm not sure what the problem is. Help? Okay, so I'm not sure what the problem is either, uh, but this is not an uncommon thing. Um, First of all, I'm going to assume you are male and in a hetero marriage. Um, I'm not sure that actually matters one way or another. but that's my assumption. So first, let me just dispel a couple of popular myths. I hope I don't even have to do this, but I'm going to do it anyways. Most people masturbate. We're born with our hands able to reach our crotch for a reason. Not like that poor T-Rex. That's probably why they were always so grumpy. Those little arms just couldn't get down there. Anyway, next myth. Ready? Most women masturbate too. Shocking, I know, but there you have it. And finally, masturbation is not harmful in any way. You don't go blind. You don't grow hair on your palms. I don't even know where that that one came from. I heard it a lot growing up. I'm hoping it's a generational thing. I hope they're not saying it anymore. So I've worked with several couples who have this dynamic where one person has an issue with the other person's masturbation habits. And this is not something that just happens in hetero couples. This is not something that's always the guy is masturbating and the woman is freaked out. Um, Sometimes it's the other way around. So just I want to just sort of put that out there, dispel that sort of gendered piece of this. Because I think there's a stereotype out there that all men masturbate and women don't and all women think it's gross or whatever. And that's just not the case. Um, So... The big question here should not be if you should be masturbating or not, but rather is there something that your wife is finding lacking in your sex life and she's blaming that on your masturbation. Um, You said you have a decent sex life. You're not saying it's amazing or mind-blowing or earth-shattering. You're saying it's decent. So maybe there's room for some improvement there. Ask her about that. She may be feeling like you are preferring your own company, sexually speaking, to her company. This may be creating this idea that you are somehow cheating on her, which you are not, by the way. That's an absolute no. If you're masturbating while online with another person that knows you are interacting with them, then that's a different conversation. But I'm assuming that you're either just watching porn or simply rubbing one out. So again, ask her, is the method, is it the method that's the issue? Does she have an issue with porn or the types of porn you're watching? Are you doing this in places or at times where she's walking in on you or where she is somehow impacted by your experience? Ask her. 
Does she feel left out? Would she like to join you in your masturbatory adventures? If you can have this type of conversation with her, you will likely get a whole lot of information that can help to illuminate the issue. If it's just a blanket statement of, you're not allowed to masturbate because that's cheating on me, then that's not good enough. You need more than that. You get to do whatever you would like to do with your body, as long as it is not impacting someone else. But I'm guessing that there's more to it than this. I'm guessing that if everything else was just peachy with the two of you, and especially between you sexually, and you're not masturbating at times and places that affect her, then she wouldn't have much of an issue with this. So this may not be the most comfortable conversation that you've ever had with her, but it's an important one. Don't get defensive. Get curious. Ask for more information and see where that leads you. I'm guessing that your marriage is worth that and a whole lot more. So here we are again at the end of another episode. I'll be back next Tuesday with more tidbits and treats, random ramblings and wild speculation. Feel free to call into the show and leave a voicemail. And uh, that number is 844-DURANGO. That's 844-387-2646. You can also email me at rowan at therapyforhumanspodcast.com and anytime you email or call in all of that is confidential so as far as I'm concerned it falls under the umbrella of any other kind of interaction that you would have with me as a therapist so it is completely confidential if you'd like to see me for therapy live and in person you can get in touch with me through durangopsychotherapy.com you can also call me at 970-903-3893. So until next time, take care of yourself and take care of each other.